Welcome to the Energy Podcast. Welcome everyone to our first podcast of the year uh, of 2020. So welcome. Uh, it's Chris Smith speaking here, uh, Chief Commercial Officer for Renewable Exchange, and I'm joined as ever by Lars Weber here, um, Partner for Business Development at Wittersfield. And uh, myself and Lars, we, we were batting around really what we wanted to cover um, today and for, you know, where the year's gone. And I think where we landed at is uh, gas and, and power prices, and not just in the UK, but across Europe. Um, it's been referred to in some publication as gas Armageddon, um, which is probably not undercooking it because it's, it's, uh, we've certainly seen a, a massive change, structural change in the gas and power markets. Um, this this first quarter of uh, 2020. So, Lars, maybe maybe we we'll probably reflect on that the highs were in 2018, and there were some reasons why we had high gas and power prices in 2018. Yeah. So um, when we were in 2018, we had um, we had not that much capacity left. We needed to have all the gas um, running. We at that point in time there was not so much uh, 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 fracking from the US yet be, being able to be, be exported to uh, to Europe. And we had, we had a little bit of unrest in Ukraine, of course. Um, so there, was, there, was, there wasn't a shortage of gas, but there was definitely not such a large overhang. And we had a cold winter just before. Yeah, I think we had the, carb, the carbon really start picking up value as well. Then we yes. saw carbon really go high. So there was, I guess lots of reasons we were pushing up gas at the time. Um, yeah. And I guess we come into, I suppose, particularly not suppose this winter, but since Christmas, yeah, we've seen a yeah, pretty much collapse in the in the gas and power prices i think certainly felt in the uk and i guess so for uk for an april contract for base load power um in sort of december time you'd be looking at about 54 pound per megawatt hour and now or on friday of close of play it was 38 pound a megawatt hour for a 12-month contract out of april for base load and i guess Lars, are we seeing that across europe it's not just a uk specific thing uh, no, no 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 absolutely so what you're seeing is um the uh, uh give you give you a great example um Scandinavian power is trading right now for the next quarter, so for Q2, at the moment it's trading at 11 to 13 euros a megawatt hour for the whole quarter, which is absolutely crazy because if you looked at what Q2 was trading on the 1st of January when the contract started trading, we were looking at 30 to 35 euros. So we had a drop of more than 50% in just over two months. And of course, that is part, uh, um, or the largest part of that is a lower gas price. What, what does that mean for for yeah, conventional plant in, the, in those markets? Are they are they just not running? Are they just kind of waiting for opportunities in the short term markets? Or? So what you what you as long as the power price and the gas price at the same time are dropping, your spark spread could in theory still be positive if the gas price is just low enough. Um, then then other people are hurting, like the producers will be hurting, um, the storage owners will be hurting. Um, but the, the, as long as, the, low, as, long as the, the, you know, the input and the output both are going down at the same speed, it, it should be okay for the gas guys. This is really hurting for everybody else. Like this is hurting for renewables, which are, yeah, okay, they, they have a marginal cost of zero, but their income will just be lower um, if, they, if they haven't, if they haven't uh, hatched. Um, this will hurt the, the coal guys because the coal price is not dropping as quick as, as the gas price is. And this will also have, uh, hurt the nucleus because the, nu- the nukes, their marginal price is yeah fixed to the cost of plutonium and 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 that will just and uranium and that that is more or less fixed. And I, I think certainly I can only second that in the UK for renewable asset owners. I think we've kind of seen two 
two approaches. I guess we, the UK have two that like we like to complicate things. We've got lots of subsidy schemes for renewables. Um, so we've got the feed-in tariff, um, which is generally for generators under five meg, and they have the comfort of falling back onto the export tariff. Yeah. Yeah, the export tariff, and that goes up with inflation. But certainly, um, rock customers um, where they take a conventional power power price. You know, certainly feedback have is markets are well below expectations, and it's starting yeah. to. To hurt, and I guess I suppose interesting in that we've seen a lot of people maybe look at different approaches um, to selling their power, and maybe more flexible approaches. And I guess I suppose you, you can be as flexible as you like, but in a falling market, you, you know, you're still going to get the same same result. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting times. And I guess the but yeah, my my understanding last the reason we've seen this drop in this Q1 is just there's so much gas, there's LNG shipments just flooding the market, and there's yeah, so far you, more. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at all of the uh, all of the quarter, so outside of end of last week, um, then we we have a we just have a way too warm winter. Not only here, but over the whole northern hemisphere. So in in the U.S., the the gas market um, gas prices in some parts of the U.S. are actually negative. So that means that people are just getting paid to offtake gas because there's just so much in the storage and in the uh, and and in the pipes that people are just want to get rid of the gas. Otherwise. Um, Sometimes, sometimes they have combined gas and oil production at the same time, and they need to get rid of the gas because they cannot flare it and stuff like that. Okay, so they, they're not allowed to flare it, so yeah. people just have to get the gas. But if there's nobody consuming the gas, then the, actually you have negative gas prices in some parts of the UK, which are not connected to to the coast, so they can't they, they, they cannot get it away otherwise. So they just have to, have to get it out. Um, then the ne- negative, was, sorry, Joe, but negative gas prices. I've never, I've not yes, heard that before. Negative gas prices. We're talking about negative power prices, and we've just no, seen no, a no, bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Negative <laughs> gas prices. Of course, that's on the spot market. That's on, on only on a few days. But yes, you you have that. And it, does that make sense? Maybe because if you if you're not allowed to flare it, and if you have to store it, then you have to pay, cover, of course, the cost of storage for that until people need more gas again. So basically what you do is you say, okay, even if I give this gas for free to people when they're using it, let's say next October, I still have to pay for the storage until next October. Therefore, I'm, I'm, I need to pay people for that storage. And then you get a negative gas price. And that's what you see in the middle states uh, of, uh, uh, in, the, in the Dakotas, for example, where there's a lot of uh, fracking going on. I guess what you, we, we, we were talking before we came on the podcast, but we've also seen a massive drop in gas prices on Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this Friday, um, oil prices dropped by 11% on one day, which is the largest single day drop since financial crisis or, um, or, or something like that. Um, like, like really big drop. And the drop is basically that we still have this problem of overproduction. Um, we have this um, uncertainty in the market because of the uh, virus gas. And, but the big thing that, that triggered this was that both Russia and the OPEC have stated that they will not further uh, cut down on production. And if both parties are stating, okay, we're not going to cut down, and um, in, the, in the US it's driven by, uh, by, uh, by financial co- companies which are, which are not part of OPEC or something, that they will just reduce because they have to get rid, they have, they have their rigs up and running, they just have to get rid of their, their oil and their gas. Um, so that this bubble that we have, this gas bubble of too much gas, it will just stay. It will definitely stay. I believe until at least next winter, and then we must hope for a at least a decent winter to get rid of the overhang of gas. Now, I, I suppose before before we kind of move on, but we, yeah, we've been hoping for cold winters for mm. 
a little while now and I guess the, the UK yeah, the last sort of cold bits we had in the UK were outside of kind of winter, they were in the kind of March time. So so it feel it feels like there's kind of a fundamental flaw in the market then that if we don't have a cold winter we're gonna have this kind of continued issue of oversupply. So I guess in a kind of business point of view, you know, if oversupply, very low prices doesn't feel like it works for a producer of um, piece of energy. So who, who's winning at the moment? You know, I suppose who? Well, the first one is the consumer, of course, because consumers can just consume at an insanely low price. And um, especially if you have more and more renewables, the renewables will run at a price of zero and potentially negative if you, if you get subsidized. So from a consumer's point of view, you just get really, really cheap um, power and you get also really cheap gas if you use gas as, um, um, as, as part of your... Uh, um, uh, input for example like the chemical industry and um, the other ones which are going to win here or sorry the biggest losers are actually not going to be the gas producers the biggest losers are going to be the guys who are going who, are, who need to produce base load and uh, that would be coal uh, uh, generators because the price of coal has dropped but it hasn't dropped as quickly as the price of gas um, also nuclear stations could potentially have a problem but they are usually hatched out for like three, five, seven years. So they should be okay with one or maybe even two low, uh, low pri uh, priced years. But then they need to get the third year to be good so that they can get it in, catch out further. Otherwise, they will have a really long issue later on. Um, so, yes? I was going to say, that's quite interesting. So I suppose in, in a positive light, if it's moving coal off the system quicker yeah. from a decarbonizer, that's a very good thing. But I guess nuclear... Yeah, that's not such a good thing because you just can't close down a nuclear power plant, can you? That's kind of has lots of other ramifications from a yes, kind of yes, safety. So it, yeah. Yes, exactly. So you're going to have an issue with uh, with the nucleus, but I but I do think those guys are still long hatched. They they usually hatch their complete liquid horizon and sometimes bilaterally even longer. Um, I, I I cannot see that they have an issue with one or two low priced years. Um, the coal, yes, they will have an issue. They will definitely have an issue, and especially when you start to see. Um, this position of we need to get coal off the system by 2025 in the UK and um, by 2023 I think uh, the Netherlands is trying to do it and maybe depending on, on how um, Scandinavia wants to get rid of it and Germany at some point will also stop with it um, every, so what you, do, what you start to see is that for them if they don't even start up anymore in a the winter they just have a huge amount of fixed costs of fixed maintenance over the year um, if you cannot hatch and have to be certain that you still need to run then you have to figure out okay do I want to do my maintenance so that for five years that I have left to maybe only run for the last three of those five years? And, you know, that, then it goes really quickly down where you just say, okay, maybe this is not a good bet. And then the call could just come off the system a lot quicker than expected. Okay. okay. I think, yeah, so I guess really interesting. I guess yeah, certainly from a new exchange perspective, we, we regularly update on the market, as, as do with your business. But I think it's very much, it feels like this isn't something that's going to kind of correct itself in, a, in the near term, is it? I think we're probably looking at low gas prices for release the summer, I'd probably say, without, yes. obviously not much up to predict, but that feels like a... There is no reason why it should go up. I mean, the winter is over. It, 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 it should stay low. Excellent. Okay, well, Lars, well, thank you for, uh, for joining me again. It's been a, a pleasure as always, and uh, we, I look forward to speaking to you in the next coming months um, yes. with our Thanks, next Chris. podcast. Thank you very much.